On today's show, I'm going to be talking with Bruce Burgess, and he is the drum of Drum Dynasty. He's also in a band called Seven Against Thieves, and he is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame town of Cleveland, Ohio. So I want to pick his brain about a lot of stuff today. So welcome to the show, Bruce. Hey, Kelly. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Hey, I love the title Drum Dynasty. I know you're a drummer, but we're going to especially talk about a special release called Time Machine. It's the latest album that you put out. But in a nutshell, I mean, what is Drum Dynasty and how did you come to be involved with it? Well, Drum Dynasty actually started off uh, as uh, we were going to do an instructional uh, video and CD set. And I wanted to go ahead and uh, expose a lot of people to different styles of music, uh, whether it be African, Indian, um, reggae, uh, Caribbean, Eastern music. Uh, so I wanted to get that kind of put on there because that, that's kind of the feel that I, I believe is, is missing. There's so much wealth of information out there. And I wanted to do that. And uh, we got partway through the process. And uh, my agent, Cyrus, is like, this is just too good just to do is this, let's go and put music to it. And uh, he came up with the idea, and uh, we uh, started uh, uh, from there. And uh, we actually, our first uh, CD was a double CD set, so we started off big. And the uh, first one is African, completely the, the entire continent from Africa, whether it be North African, East, West, South, we did all the different uh, music genres. And then the second one was uh, Middle Eastern and uh, music from India. So we kind of start off with a, a big bang on that. And we've been nice. doing kind of like themes from there on. Now, the first one, I think, was back in 2008. And then your follow-up, World Cathedral, was uh, 2017. And now you've got Time Machine. So you, you took a little leap between the first one and the second one. So what what was going on in your musical life in between? Uh, from there, I was planning to doing a lot of things uh, locally, uh, playing in a lot of different uh, genres there, from from jazz to uh, speed metal and uh, everything in between, and writing. And uh, it's usually, uh, as a writer, a lot of times uh, you go through phases where there's nothing, and then all at once it's just a stream and it just never stops. <laughs> And uh, right. so you, you got writer's blocks for, for three or four years and nothing happens. And then uh, once it starts steamrolling, you want to put it together and uh, make it work. Well, drumming seems to be really unique because unlike a lot of other instruments, drumming, it seems like you can go to different genres of music easier than other instruments. Do you find you're able to do that? Oh, very much so. Um in fact, that's uh, that's my that's my love. Uh, I like uh, variety and everything, whether it be food. I'm also a professional chef, so I love I love you know food from everywhere. I love all kinds of different uh, types of movies. I know you're into the uh, horror theme, uh, which I'm into too, oh, yeah. and sci-fi. So uh, variety is definitely a spice of life, and uh, drumming, and especially when you get into percussion. Uh, there's really nowhere on the planet uh, that uh, uh, that it's missing. Mm -hmm. Now, a lot of people who aren't as familiar with drumming and percussionists, they just kind of think of, oh, you know, the drum set in the average rock band. 
but there's so much more. There's a whole world of percussion. So, like, what's your main, you know, a percussion instrument, and you know, how many different ones do you play? Well, I play uh, 37 that I know of, <laughs> and of course, there's there's, wow. there's different uh, off. Yeah, there's there's different offshoots of that. Um, I've, uh, you know, when you when you learn classical, you're going to be exposed to, you know, the timpani and uh, xylophone, marimba, vibes, um, glockenspiel, um, tuba bells, you know, the more of melodic and mallet instruments. Uh, so I, 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 I do all those. I stay with Mark, uh, Mark Rozier from Cleveland Symphony Orchestra and uh, got that down, uh, so to speak, at least my feet wet in it. And uh, I play a lot of different uh, types of uh, uh, African instruments, like the djembe, uh, talking drum. I uh, studied with uh, Baba Alatunji from Nigeria and uh, learned a lot of the different uh, aspects of that. Uh, and then the, the Latin percussion is Tito Puentes, which is a, a big hero of mine, uh, the dance grades of the uh, 50s and uh, Afro-Cuban music. So, uh, you know, the timbales and congas and, and bongos and, and that field. And uh, lately, I've gotten into about the last 12 years, I used to study with uh, Yusuf Muhammad, uh, who's uh, into uh, music from India, the East, and uh, Middle Eastern music. Um, instruments uh, like the uh, dumbek tabla. And that's a completely in in all these genres, everything is completely different than than American Western music. We're so used to hearing everything on two and four, one and three, and when you get into these other styles of music, uh, to what us we call odd time, seven eight, in Greece that's natural. It's like them clapping on two and four. So it's uh it's a it's definitely an, an adventure. Mm-hmm. Are you a Sheila E. fan? Uh, I, I, I respect her. Yes, mm-hmm. I respect her. I don't Wasn't that kind of a cool Sheila time e. in the 80s? I'm not a real big pop guy, but uh... it's like it's so rare in pop music when like a, a drummer breaks out or a percussionist. So it's, it's kind mm-hmm. of exciting you know, when she was working with Prince that you know someone who was so prominent in percussion, you know, that was their their main thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, does that happen yes, very yeah. often? Like, I can think of, like, maybe Phil Collins, but can you think of a lot of percussionists that are out there as the lead oh, of their in, band? In, yeah, in America, no. <laughs> Throughout the rest of the world, actually, yes, it's it's actually quite common. But uh, in in Western music, America, Canada, it's uh, it's definitely less of a thing because it's it's less in our culture. You know, their culture is is older than ours and uh, they've been at it uh, quite a bit longer and we seem to uh, in the western culture we go through quick fads you know were you into drums when you were a kid i mean can you remember the first time you, you heard a professional yeah drummer? my uh i i think it was on a subliminal level my my brother i have an older brother and uh he was playing drums so when i was about four five and six years old I have little memories of, uh, you know, constantly hearing it. And as soon as he would leave, I'd be jumping on the drum set and trying to do what uh, I heard him do, which was kind of frustrating for him. <laughs> and 
So did he uncle. keep up with it like you did, or did you have some? Uh, point no, he, he, yeah. As soon as he left the house, he pretty much he kind of he kind of ditched it. Um, but mm-hmm. um, in, in my did uncle, you inherit the drum kit? Uh, no, I didn't. He actually sold it. But uh, my my first drum kit was I don't know if you remember Montgomery Wards or not. Uh, it was kind of like a uh, oh, yeah. old uh, cattle catalog. Uh, got a cheap drum set when I was seven years old, and uh, was playing you know pretty much self taught. And then when I got mm-hmm. twelve years old, I actually got uh, myself a uh, professional, somewhat professional uh, drum kit, and uh, mm-hmm. went from there. So, did you ever do marching band when you were in high school? No, I didn't do marching band. Uh, it's pretty much self-taught until I was 16. Um, and at 16, uh, you have an ego and you think you're the, the greatest thing. And I started playing nightclubs and stuff when I was 12, so I had a little bit of an ego. But when I got to 16, I, I found myself um, going through a plateau, and I really wasn't getting any better. And my dad gave me a suggestion, uh, why don't you go and try uh, jazz lessons? And I'm like, jazz? Blah! <laughs> <laughs> at the time. And uh, I started taking the, uh, jazz lessons, and I started, you know, learning how to read music. And then uh, after I learned how to read music, I hooked up with a great teacher, uh, Bob McKee, who used to be the drummer for Johnny Carson's Tonight Show band and Michael Douglas' oh, wow. show. And, and then when I hooked up with him, I started to learn how to read charts, and that just opened up an entire new world for me. And uh, mm-hmm. and then I took it from there into different styles of music. Well, how important is that? Because there's so many self-taught musicians, but at a certain point, it seems like you need to learn how to read music, and it seems like that's such a big advantage. Well, it is. I mean, when you're able to, to read, I mean – you have the whole world at, uh, at your fingertips because you can take whatever types of music that you're into and take it to the umph degree. And uh, the beautiful thing about reading is you can take it to all styles of music. And you're able to also uh, have a little bit of advantage if you go into, uh, you know, like the auditions. Uh, if you go to, uh, if you try to do a casino, uh, if you go into a casino situation, you're going to have to be able to sight read. If you want to work on a cruise ship, you're going to be able to have to sight read. And some of your studios, uh, you're going to have to mm-hmm. read charts. So not only is it something that helps you on your instrument uh, physically, then it helps you make money as well. Mm-hmm. Well, you have so many musical you know, styles that you play in, but did you have like one main percussion influence? Like was there one you know, drummer that you idolized or, you know, one percussionist that you really aspired to? Oh, my gosh. There, 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 there's, there's so many I can talk hours on. <laughs> um, <laughs> as far as, like, your your, your rock music, um, definitely uh, Neil Peart uh, was uh, a big influence. Uh, then as far as, uh, like, jazz, uh, Tony Williams. is very much into Tony Williams and the Miles Davis uh, thing. And then, uh, as like I said, with... Uh, Latin music was Tito Puentes. Uh, not only was he just so phenomenal as a, a band leader, incredible uh, timbali player, very, very musical. He played, uh, and, and that also helped influence me on getting into the mallet instruments. He played vibes beautifully. Uh, so I was very, very much uh, uh, into him as well. And uh, with classical, uh, there's an artist uh, called Ellen. 
and uh, it was uh, it was very very interesting to uh, watch her play. You have the whole bandstand is everybody's in their tuxedos and they're playing, and she walks on stage and she's barefoot. And the reason she's barefoot, she can't really hear all that well, but she's been playing on stage doing classical music for so long she can actually go by vibrations and tell what instruments are being played through her feet. <laughs> oh, wow. So she's a very, very unique talent. And uh, she's had a big influence on me as far as uh, classical uh, aspects. Mm-hmm. Now, when you were a kid, did you watch the Lawrence Welk show? Yes, I did. <laughs> it was Remember the drummer fun. on that or, or the, the percussion people in that? They're probably yeah, standing yeah. in the back row. Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, my my dad was really into that, so I I got to uh, uh, watch uh, watch that. Yeah, so it was uh, it was uh, interesting. In fact, uh, as as a little kid, I was li- I was listening to the Michael Douglas show, and he ended up being my teacher later on. Of course, I didn't know it was a little kid and, and uh, watching him. See, you never know where you'll end up. No, you don't. You don't. And sometimes you actually do get to meet your idols. You know. At a certain point, once you were, you know, more into the professional world, like when was the first time you got to meet some of your idols? Um, I never got to meet my biggest idols, um, but I did get to meet people that um, they had small influences, uh, like Phil Earhart from Kansas uh, was in Cleveland. I was asked to do uh, uh, four or five um, drum off. Uh, as a judge on drum offs, and he was uh, a guest drummer uh, to do the judging. So we got to uh, talk, and I thought that was uh, uh, pretty neat. And also, I've been in before that. I was playing with the Van Halen tribute band, of all things, in Detroit, and wow. we warmed up for them a few times. And he actually remembered me from 10 years before, so I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, real nice guy. Uh, as far as oh, Chris Coleman, uh, some people might recognize that name. He's a uh, very, very, uh, people consider him the best funk fusion drummer of today right now. And uh, when I met him, I met him in between uh, one of the sets that we were doing. And uh, he came up to me and goes, this guy here can play drums. And he gave me a big fist, pump fist, and I got back. And, and when I did the second set, my heart was through my throat. I was so nervous. I'm like, oh, my gosh, he's listening to my, my note playing. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so well, that was, you ever I, I kind of wish you would wait until the second set instead of the first set. <laughs> well, when you finally, you know, meet these colleagues, do you share notes? I mean, what's the best feedback you've gotten from another? No, it, it, really it's, it's a lot more. It's a lot more subtle than that. It's it, it's just, uh, and it depends. I mean, there there's a lot of musicians that are they're egotistical, so you don't want to kind of go that avenue and a lot kind of you know push off but the ones that are uh, uh i find out usually your, your musicians that are really really good are comfortable with themselves especially your drummers and percussionists not to put things into categories but they're usually more lead back they're not the lead singer uh, the lead guitar player um so they don't have quite as big as egos and you're able to mm-hmm. have frank uh conversations and uh encouragement and and sometimes they'll uh, even uh, lead you to another opportunity to have an audition uh, with another band. So, mm-hmm. oh wow! Well, with the new album, 
time machine, what has been the best feedback you've received so far? Well, we've uh, gotten 10 reviews. And uh, out of the 10 reviews, this is the first time we've gotten 10 positive reviews on. So uh, that was uh, that's uh, very, very encouraging because uh, in these days, everybody's a critic, and it's hard to get uh, 10 good of anything out of 10. <laughs> So I feel uh, mm-hmm. real, uh, real good and real confident about that. And what's mm-hmm. and the other thing that's unique about this is everybody that's listening to it so far has has come back and said they really haven't heard anything like it. And I think that's one of the best uh, compliments it's, that you can possibly get. Mm-hmm. Now you've had themes for each of the different Drum Dynasty albums. So for the current one, this one definitely seems I don't know a little more futuristic. You know, what's the whole, like, uh, meaning behind Time Machine? Well, we, we've done it different genres on planet Earth, and we kind of jokingly said, let's take it to outer space. And uh, and so we did. And the person who really gets uh, a lot of credit on that is uh, Michael Carroll. And uh, Michael Carroll, uh, what he did on this is uh, absolutely brilliant. And uh, he's uh, a, a big factor in all of this. So I want to do a big shout out to uh, to him. Um, but we wanted to go a situation where uh, where you use less notes, make those notes count. Um, it's it's one thing to uh, play a lot of different notes. But I wanted to go ahead and, and it, when you apply drums and percussion, using space. Kind of like his notes, and filling filling mm-hmm. in things with space instead of filling things with notes. It was just a complete reversal of what uh, I've been doing on the other drum dynasties, and that uh, is a very very much a challenge in itself. Well, one common thread I've noticed with all three of the drum dynasty albums is there's there's a very primal feel, you know, whether or not it's you know something more space age or planetary like mm-hmm. the new one or something a little more tribal like the early one. But I was just saying mm-hmm. something primal. Do, do, you, do you think that sums it up? Yeah. What do you think is the yeah, common I would, I would say, uh Yeah, I would say darkness. Uh, like putting a little bit of uh, uh, a darkness. Uh, it's kind of like the opposite of my personality. I'm a very upbeat type person, but it's kind of like yin and yang. I like a lot of music uh, that has a dark twist to it, and I think that's one of the reasons why, like a lot of film that I that I watch, uh, even though I'm a very very upbeat type person, I like watching things with a little bit of darkness, the the sci-fi and the horror uh, type of thing. So I think that's uh, kind of comes out in the personality of the music. Well, when you have instrumental music, they're not, I think, automatically like this, but I think the fact that this is led by the percussion. And it gives it um, almost like a, what is it, not Freudian, but it kind of takes on a very mind trip and kind of gets to the whole, the id of your psyche. And are you trying to communicate on that kind of subconscious level? Yeah, it's it's not uh, it's not a, a music for uh, uh, to, to party to. Um, it's very it's a very much a thinking man's music. Um, uh, I, I think uh, people who are musicians will uh, appreciate this, but uh, people who are, are more intellectual uh, are going to appreciate this a lot more. 
And I think it kind of steers to um, that type of um, thinking. Mm-hmm. Well, what's the environment that you record in? Do you just go into the studio? Do you, you know, set a mood? I mean, what's it like when you're recording this? Well, uh, for this, it's uh, music that's uh, worked out. Uh, part of it's from memory. A lot of it is written out. Um, I don't go in there with, with stuff written as far as every single note, uh, but things that uh, I need to jog my memory possibly on. I do little footnotes. So I do write some music out, uh, and it depends on how complex the the pieces. If I have something that's a little simpler in 4-4, I'm not going to be doing that. I'm going to be doing it mostly by memory. If I have something that's a little more complicated and doing different times of signatures and stuff, I'll definitely give myself some footnotes and write some things out. Then, you know, look over it a little bit mm-hmm. uh, before I go in and start uh, recording. Mm-hmm. Well, your producer on this is Cyrus Rhodes, and You've also worked with him in the the rock band Seven Against Thebes. What's it like to work with him on, on two very different genres? Yes, and and, and that goes back to uh, variety is the spice of life, and uh, it definitely uh, gives it's a completely different challenge. Um, it's more of uh, physical, uh, hard playing uh, with uh, Seven Against Thebes. And especially with the type of music, it uh, it has a little bit of a, a tool feel, and that gets into that primal thing that we we're discussing, and a little, little bit of the darkness. Uh, so uh, that's a, an avenue I, I definitely enjoy exploring. Mm-hmm. Well, the Seven Against Thieves band, how long have you been involved with that? Uh, I've been doing that since I think like 2007 somewhere around there. So we've got oh, wow. uh, two yeah, we've got two recordings and we're going to be working on a third one here. Uh we're going to try to have it out uh before the uh end of the year. So we'll probably be going in the studio in the uh, spring spring summertime and working on that and uh it's going to be uh pretty much a combination of the first and second one uh combined with a little bit more uh modern uh, aggressive. So there's going to be uh, a, a lot of different time signatures going on with that as well. It's very, very progressive. Now, is Seven Against Thieves heavy metal, or how would you, uh, you know, describe? Wow, it? Is it like a I would probably, that's that, that. It's a tough one, and that's the the one thing I really enjoy playing on this project uh, with Cyrus is it's different as well. Uh, you really can't put. Um, into a Pacific category, it's, I would say there's a little bit of Stone Temple Pilots. Uh, you know, it has that Seattle grunge feel. There's definitely a tool aspect uh, of it, a little bit of industrial, um, and uh, I would like to believe I bring a fusion element to it uh, with some uh, percussion and different type of different type signature arrangements, and uh, it's a big collage. Uh, who are your favorite metal bands? Uh, I would probably I would put Dream Theater in there. Um, uh, I would do say uh, Fate's Warning, uh, Symphony X. More of your progressive, but I'm I'm very much uh, into the older metal too. You know, your Iron Maiden, uh, Judas Priest, uh, uh, Sabbath. You know, your your classics as well. 
but uh, and and I like uh, some of your uh, modern metal bands as, as well. Well, some of these classic metal bands are still touring, still going strong. Some of these guys I oh, are in their 70s, so maybe yeah. maybe heavy metal is good for your health. <laughs> Anytime you can go out there and and. Uh, play music like that and especially if you're able to have it as a major influence in your life um, it, it, it's such a, a great outlet because uh, when you perform uh, especially when you perform live uh, there's no greater uh, gratification when you're able to pull everything off as an entire band and when you go up there on stage you're going to have all these different things going on you're going to have all these different feedbacks the mics aren't working the, the amps are distorting in the middle, middle of the songs you, you got cables getting broken off you got i'm dropping drumsticks breaking heads so there's always a challenge to go through the you know whole show and when you're able to uh, get through it and uh, you get uh, a positive response there's very few things in life that's uh, really that gratifying well obviously you know with covid there's been less live performances but when there is more is drum dynasty the type of project that you could actually perform some of this live Oh, oh, absolutely, and, and we plan on doing that. Um, and, and I think in, in general, there's so much music being made right now. Once we get over this thing, hopefully completely, uh, there's there's so much music waiting to uh, burst out. And uh, yeah, this this is something definitely that uh, we would love to be able to um, to do live. Uh, we might have to wait uh, a year or two down the road to be able to do that, but uh, oh, absolutely. Well, do you think people are seeking out music that, I guess for lack of a better word, you would call spiritual or maybe something that that, that puts them in a, in a more like a deeper state? Well, I, I think in, in general, if, by going out and listening to music, uh, especially live, people are going to feel like they have some normalcy left, uh, you know, because we've been all cooped up and uh, wanting to get back to being normal and uh, being able to experience uh, music live especially uh, will give, I think, everybody a little bit more feeling of normalcy. We're going to wrap up in a little bit, but I just want to make sure that people listening know where to find both the Drum Dynasty music and Seven Against Thebes Plus to learn more about you. Well, go to... uh, drumdynasty.com and uh, is the best way of knowing it. Okay. And I know you're on Spotify and, you know, most of the, you know, music outlets out there and you can buy your music on Amazon. Oh, yes. Yeah. All, all the different avenues that there is. Excellent. Uh, Napster and, and Amazon, the, the whole should be open. And for Seven Against Thebes, is there a main website? Uh, SevenAgainstThebes.net. Excellent. And any separate one for Bruce Burgess, the man himself? Uh, Not as as of right now. Uh, But you can also see some some other articles on me. I've been in uh, Modern Drummer Magazine. Uh, So if you put in Bruce Burgess. Uh, Modern Drummer Magazine. Uh, you can see some uh, other articles and some other things that I've uh, done in the past. 
Very nice. So your promotion, you're kind of like a, a typical drummer. You're just always kind of there in the background. <laughs> you kind of want everyone else to be a little more up to <laughs> Well, yeah. I'm really curious um, about Seven Against Thebes. Because I know that, you know, you and Cyrus, are you guys going to go back into the studio in the near future? Yeah, we're we're going to be going in. Uh, in fact, uh, all the music is actually already uh, written. So everything uh, is done as that, as that aspect. We're just working on a different, uh, well, I have a little bit different uh, guitar sounds. Uh, we're going for a little bit different sound. So we want to be able to, to get that down a little bit more before we go in and start writing because when you listen to scratch tracks, if you just, as far as a, a drummer's aspect, if you listen to a scratch track, you know, you listen to a rhythm uh, guitar part, you listen to the vocals over top and you're, and you're playing and you're getting your parts together. But if you're able to have somewhat of a finished product uh, to do that, you're going to be able to emotionally get into it. Uh, it's not like going in and playing uh, live um, as a band, uh, we're not we're not doing that, of course, with everything that's going on. So uh, you're a little bit of a disadvantage on that. So so having the music down, pretty much the way it's going to be, makes a big difference when you're coming up with um, uh, composing parts. So once we get that down, we're going to take the second step, and that'll probably be in the summertime. And uh, hopefully, we'll have this thing wrapped up and ready to put on the market uh, by the end of the year. Nice. And do you guys do all this remotely? Yes, we do. Yeah. So you've already been ahead of this whole quarantine curve because it sounds like you and Cyrus have, even before this, recorded separately in different states and kind of done things online. Well, we have a lot of the same uh, uh, influences, and we have uh, kind of like the same vision uh, in a lot of the avenues. So it makes it a lot uh, easier when you're, uh, when you have a distance like that, if you're in the same frame of mind, um, it makes things go a lot easier than uh, not just battling the distance and battling opinions. Um, so that makes it, that definitely makes a big difference. I mean, is that what you see? The so-called new normal is that musicians just on a regular basis will be collaborating remotely with each other? Yeah, I I think this definitely... Uh, changes things, uh, whether it be for the better or for the worse, we don't know yet. Um, but I really hope people uh, don't take it to the point where they don't want human interaction because once you do that, that kind of destroys the whole thing of uh, uh, of doing music in the first place. So uh, it's it's definitely the second best, but it's not the best. And finally, since you are in the land of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame Museum, and I think, didn't they just announce the uh, nominees for this year's Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Yeah, that I haven't heard. Because I want to say that I heard that the Go-Go's were nominated. I'm sure there's a lot (laughs) of others. Who is not in the Hall of Fame that you would like to see go in there? Boy, if you would have asked me that a few years ago, it would have been Rush. Uh, and partially the mm-hmm. reason that uh, they weren't able to get in there is because they had a big to-do with the, uh, the guy that ran uh, Rolling Stone, and he made a he basically didn't want them in there until he died. Well, he's 
he's dead and they're in. So <laughs> uh, as far as right now, um, that's a hard one. I'd have to, I'd have to take time and, and, and think about that. It's, it's a combination. I mean, it's like personally what you think uh, should be in there as far as what your favorite bands are to what you think um, is, it, it's, it's a whole, um, a bunch of things going on at the same time. There's, there's sometimes it's, it's people get put in more because of their influence. Uh, others is because they made a splash on MTV. Um, others um, have all the different avenues uh, as far as deserving to be in there. So it's a, it's a tough one to call. You're not, you're not going to please everybody. And when you say rock, I mean, it's, it's went from, you know, hard rock to fifties rock to, uh, I think there's even um, uh, artists in there now that are doing rap and stuff. So um, it's definitely a, a bigger genre now. Yeah, it's definitely evolved a lot. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk about, you know, from Dynasty and Seven Against yeah, Thieves. Yeah, thank you very much. Just be fun to talk again just about, you know, more drummers and why they should always get more publicity than than they usually get. I could not agree with you more. Maybe maybe next time you tour with Seven Against Thieves, you can put the the drum set at, at the foot of the stage and make everyone else be behind you. Or or at least on the side. <laughs> <laughs>